Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades' experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey there, welcome to A Voice for Love. This is Surya, and I'm so excited today to bring you my very special guest and very good friend, Rochelle Okoye. Hello, Rochelle. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So Rochelle is an amazing being. She's got a wonderful story that I'm hoping she will share a little bit with us um, today. And she's a stunt woman and an author. And Rochelle, can you please tell everyone a little bit about yourself for anyone who doesn't know? Yeah, um, I'm a Hollywood stunt woman and actress. I'm a best-selling author, two-times TEDx speaker, and I'm co-owner of TriStar Vancouver Martial Arts. Yay! So can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about, I just, I just love your, I love that you're a stunt woman. I think it's such a <laughs> kick-ass thing. So how did you, how did you get into stunts and get into the film industry? Um, well, I got into stunts through my fight career. I was a pro boxer before stunting and my ring announcer, who was one of my friends, um, told me that there was a role that I should audition for. And he introduced me to the stunt coordinator for that specific um, film. And I got the role and I got introduced to the world of film and everything kind of just took off from there. That's awesome. And so I understand that you had a when you were a child growing up, you were a professional gymnast as well. So how did that play into your stunt career? I'm sure that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, it was super helpful. So I was a gymnast on the Great Britain gymnastics team growing up. Um, and yeah, having a gymnastics and a, a fight background was super beneficial for my stunt career. Um, yeah, it allowed me to kind of play the superheroes that I play now. Flipping and fighting is kind of a, a good skill set to have as a stunt woman. So I've been very grateful for the skills and talents that I've acquired along the way. And it's funny because when I was in gymnastics, I hated it growing up. Um, yeah, I just didn't like it. And when I quit, I was so happy about it. <laughs> and when I fell into stunts, I realized why I did gymnastics and found the gratitude for it. So that was kind of an interesting moment for me. I can relate to that. It's funny. I was with a friend of mine yesterday and, you know, she has a bunch of musical instruments and she gets frustrated because she can't play them and I can pick up almost any instrument and play it. And I was explaining to her that it's because I studied music when I was a child and I learned piano and I learned to read music and music is like a language. And because I know that language, that's part of the reason why I can now pick up almost any instrument because they're all interconnected. And it was like you, same thing. I didn't want to go to my lessons. I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, why are my parents forcing me to do this? Why are they forcing me to be in the band? All of these different things. And yet that is what formed the basis for, you know, what I do now. So yeah, the, you know, the universe has our back. Definitely. 
Totally. So, so I, I, I would love for you to share a little bit about your incredible story about, and this is a lot of what your book and I know your talks have been about as well. You, you have this incredible story of, um, you know, your, your recovery from a horrendous injury. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I had a near career ending injury back in 2013. Um, I had to jump 14 feet in four inch heels and land on my feet into a mat that was floating on the ocean. On my landing, I snapped my ankle in half. I tore all three of my ligaments and compressed my talus into my tibia and my joint locked up. Um, I kind of became a medical anomaly in that moment. I was told my career was over, that I would never walk again. And it was devastating. I just felt like my whole life kind of crashed down before my very eyes in a second. Um, but yeah, I, it took two years of rehab and surgery um, and a lot of introspection and positive thinking and faith. Um, and I came back. I managed to walk again after six months. It was with a severe limp. And I've still, to this day, have 50% range of motion lost in my ankle. I'm on permanent disability. But that being said, I did get my career back. Um, I'm still working in film full time. I know my limits. I play within them. I did learn to run and jump again after two years. And I'm back to flipping again. But it hurts, so I don't really do that unless I absolutely have to, which I never really have to. And yeah, it, it's been an interesting journey over the last, how long has it not been now? Five, seven years. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for my community, the film community, the stunt community specifically. They've been so supportive of me and my comeback. And yeah, I've just, they've catered to my healing and just my career blossoming again. So yeah, it's been interesting. <laughs> that is incredible. And I, I love these kinds of stories and this is sort of what I'm guided to, to bring more people on here and share about these miracle healing stories, because I think that so many people don't understand that these types of healing are, are possible. And, you know, doctors do and will say these things like, oh, you'll never walk again, or oh, you're going to die in a week. And yet there's so many people who have defied these um, odds and gone on to, to thrive. So can you share a little bit about what was your process during those two years while you were healing? What were you doing? What was it that helped you to get back to the place that you're at now? Yeah, um, my process still goes on to this day because it is a permanent injury and I'm trying to do uh, a very athletic career on a injured, broken ankle. <laughs> so um, when I first fell, um, I was pretty positive for the, the first part of things. I was holding on to faith and hope. But it wasn't until uh, the surgery the last surgery where I was just, it didn't work and I didn't get the full range of motion back in my ankle like I thought I would. And um, yeah, I find I kind of fell into depression at that point, but I had to dig deep. Like I said, I, I did a lot of introspection. I, I looked within and I really tried to find what I was worth because I, I put so much of my self-worth and my value on what I could accomplish uh, being an athlete my whole life. Um, and when my foot got taken away, I didn't really know who I was anymore. I was just like, who am I? What do I do? You know, who am I without my physical body to, to accomplish things? So I, I had to dig deep and I had to figure out who I am um, besides what I could achieve in, with, 
achieve through physicality and through athleticism. Um, I journaled a lot. I expressed my gratitude daily for everything that I had, both good and bad. I meditated every day. I wrote affirmations on my mirror, positive affirmations that told me I was going to get better, that I was going to succeed, that I am loved, that I am healed. I even had some of those affirmations tattooed on my body <laughs> as constant reminders. Every time I, I look, you know, it's, it's a reminder of um, to keep going, to keep persevering, to keep pushing through. Um, I had to keep the faith alive because it's a difficult thing when you have the medical community and professionals telling you that you're not going to make a comeback, that you're never going to walk again. You know, these are people who you think they know what they're talking about. This is what they do for a living. And so as humans, we tend to follow suit and believe authoritative figures or people who are trained or educated in a field more than us. Um, and I had to really train my mind to not believe that and to keep the faith alive and to trust and believe that I could accomplish anything that I wanted to accomplish, that I could achieve anything that I wanted to put my heart into. Um, and, and that's what I held on to, even in the times where I felt hopeless, I still had that little bit of faith that I would hang on to. And that's really what got me through all of those hard times. I would dream about running and walking and flipping. Uh, and that to me too was kind of hope. Um, I felt like it was almost hope from the divine and messages from the divine telling me to keep that faith alive, to keep going. And uh, that's what I did. It took two years and eventually I made my comeback and it felt like full circle. I was hired on X-Men, um, what was it? X-Men, sorry, I've done so many now. <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse. And um, I broke it uh, during, well, it was on another show that I don't really say, but I was booked on X-Men Days of Future Past at that time. And then I lost that job because of that injury. So it did feel like full circle when I came back, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a whole bunch of positive thinking and keeping the faith alive, affirming that you're going to be okay and introspection, self-love. Self <laughs> That's remarkable. What a wonderful, amazing. And I, I, I know that so well. And, um, it's so interesting. Something that, um, sometimes comes through when I'm working with clients and even for myself, like the message is like endurance training. And we really have to do this mental endurance training because our conditioning is telling us to think one way. And then when we're trying to shift the thought pattern, and especially when we have the extra added stress of having people in a position of authority constantly telling us that you can't do this, you know, you can't manage this. Although, you know, they say that there's two different, you know, with successful people, there's two different things that motivate them. And one of them is that if somebody tells you that you can't do something, you say, oh yeah, I will. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's what I said. Actually, I made posts like that on my Instagram too. It was like, you told me I can't do this, but watch me. And I did. And that was almost my motivating factor to just get through this too. Like I have surgeons telling me you're not going to walk again. Okay. Like watch me. Not only will I not walk, I'll run, flip, jump, and jump and flip off of that building again. <laughs> so... It's amazing. And do you ever feel so when you're doing these crazy stunts, like, do you feel do you feel fear and you push beyond it anyway? Or do you just not fear it anymore? Because you've done it so much? Like, I'd be super curious to hear a little bit about that process. Yeah, no, I possess fear. And you know, if I just I feel like if someone tells you that they don't possess fear, it's either a lie or they're a sociopath and actually don't 
possess fear. And um, I'm not a sociopath, so I possess fear at times, but I've learned how to overcome it and just push through it. I've learned to make fear my friend. Fear allows me to know that I'm alive and that what I'm doing has risk and could be dangerous. And so that I need to focus and, you know, be on my mental game and my physical skill set game. Um, but yeah, fear is a good thing. You just have to learn to overcome it and push through it. Definitely. Yeah, it is a good thing. And I mean, um, but I mean, you know, good thing, maybe not, but like the, it has a purpose. Yeah. You know, the fear has a purpose. It's there to tell us something. And sometimes it's legitimate, you know, mm -hmm. if our, in, in our intuitive system is created that way so that if there's a threat coming that we mm -hmm. feel that fear so that we go on alert to know that, you know, we can't just behave normally in this situation or we may have to find protection for ourselves or whatever is that's needed. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I say, listen to your fear, but don't let it run you and overcome it. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much what it's there for. It's almost yeah. like it's this built-in mechanism, you know, I think on the spiritual journey, which I, I'm also interested to know when, so it sounds like by the time that you'd had your accident, you already had a little bit of a foundation with some spiritual practices. So I'm curious, when did your sort of spiritual journey begin or your awakening journey and how did that play in with your, your accident? Yeah. Um, I would say I probably started embarking on my spiritual journey probably in my late teens, early 20s. And uh, that was around the time where I was disowned by my biological parents. Um, I grew up in a very abusive household and uh, my father was a child soldier and he instilled all types of abuse, physical, mental, verbal, emotional, everything but sexual basically. And at the age of 20, I was disowned by both of them. And so I was out in this world on my own at a, at a young age. And not only that, not only was I out on my own at a young age, I was in a world that I didn't trust. And I was in a world that I was set up to believe was terrifying and was out to get me. Um, because that's kind of what my parents had instilled in me and my cognition growing up. So it was a scary place to be. Um, I felt like I didn't have anyone and I had to turn to God and higher source, a higher energy, divine, whatever you want to call it, and love. And that's what I did. And I feel like that was probably my first uh, experiences and journey into spirituality and learning to survive. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's so interesting. I mean, it sounds to me like your whole life, although, you know, I'm very sorry for all of the things that you've been through in your life. And it also sounds like your whole life has, has set you up to, it sounds like a very divinely planned life, like that set you up to be able to do what you could do because most people wouldn't be able to heal from that type of an injury, let alone go back to work. And even in the line of work that you're in, there's so many people who just are not, it's a very niche, like not everybody is cut out to be a stunt person. You know, it's a very small, I know a lot of stunt people because I've you know been in and around the entertainment industry my whole life mm -hmm. too but it really is uh it's a really bold kind of undertaking it's not for everyone yeah no it's not for everyone for sure and I do feel like that too I do feel like everything was a stepping stone for the chapter that I'm at right now um and yeah it, it was a it was a preparation for everything and I'm grateful for it and again in the time you don't understand why this is all happening to you and it's a struggle and a challenge and it's frustrating and it's upsetting but as you go through it and you process and you heal and you overcome you you start to realize why all of these things happen that they have purpose and everything happens for a reason and it's a part of calling in all that's meant for you 
So you just gotta keep going, you know? Gotta keep getting over those speed bumps. <laughs> well, it's a part of us finding our power too, because if mm -hmm. we don't have these challenges and then overcome them or survive these things and defy all of these odds, that's sort of how we find our power. And I know like I've said a lot like in this past year with 2020 with all this crazy stuff going on, you know, I'm like, I'm not afraid of this. Like okay. this is, you know, once you've been through a lot of stuff and you've survived things and you, you kind of look at your life and go, maybe I shouldn't be here, but I am, then you realize that there really is a higher force that's sort of guiding everything and you can you know put your faith in that you know yes. and it is a it is a back and forth thing right it's not always sure. like you know people might look at you and think like oh you know or, or even me or anyone this happens to me a lot too people just they make these assumptions that like oh we're so strong because we're so spiritual and we're so this and yet that human aspect of us never goes away the fear mm -hmm. is still there the you know all of these different things are still there it's just that we have the tools to to navigate deal with them. it exactly yeah. totally yeah and that's another thing too everyone's like oh you're such a badass like da, da, da. yeah i'm a badass but i'm equally as sensitive i cry i hurt you know i do all these things behind the scene like every other human does but again we just know how to process it maybe a bit better than someone else and apply it to your life in a way that serves you yeah and it's, it's even just appearances too some people appear as strong it's just it's all it's all projection too it's very interesting you know like yeah. people see what they want to see and this is social media has really enhanced this a lot because you know people can go on there and create this story about themselves or their lives or they can just take a little bit of it and really blow that up so that it looks like that's what they are and yet that's only one very small part of their life and there's all these other things going on but then we form opinions and the way that we see that person or that thing in that light right it's very interesting mm-hmm Yes, for sure. <laughs> so um, I, 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 you have a wonderful book that I love. Can you tell everyone a little bit about your book and your process in, in that as well? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's called With Every Damn Brick and it's a self-help book. Um, it's a book on how overcoming your adversities can lead you to a life of standing in your power um, and calling in all that's yours by divine birthright. So I... I wrote the book, um, I don't know, I've just been through a lot, <laughs> overcome a lot, and I just felt like it was kind of my soul's true purpose. And in going through all of this, I kind of feel like I discovered my soul's true purpose, um, and that is to just help uplift humanity and help heal others in a way that I can, um, in a way that relates to me and aligns with me. And this book kind of just came out of me and I wrote it and um, I take you through the acronym POWER. So each chapter uh, stands for something, P-O-W-E-R. There's homework at the end of each chapter for the reader to do and apply to their life, which I think is really important. Um, and yeah, I just feel like I gotta give back and you know help people learn what I've learned through my own adversities, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, absolutely it does. And it's interesting because the guidance that I, I mean, even just starting this podcast for me was very, I never thought about starting a podcast. All of a sudden, you know, the guidance came in to start a podcast. And now as it's ruling out, I'm getting more guidance on what is, what is meant to be about. And of course it's about being a voice for love, but part of the guidance I'm getting is please bring on people who have these incredible stories like you to tell, because I think there's still so many people who don't realize this extraordinary 
potential that we have as human beings to overcome obstacles, you know, to overcome adversities and to defy all odds when we're told that, you know, we can't do something or we're never going to heal or this is the end. And, 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 and it's actually almost never is it you know no yeah it's never the end if it was the end you wouldn't be here anymore <laughs> so yeah i do believe we all have the power to overcome anything i don't care what your situation is you have the power and you know i say to people too i wasn't handed the best deck in life but we all have the power to reshuffle that for a better deck and a better outcome the choice is yours victim or victor and that's another thing i preach right like you can't choose all the things that happen to you. It's not, it's not always your fault, but healing is your responsibility. And you know, the choice is yours. Are you gonna be the victim of your story or the victor? Yeah, that is really powerful. And I feel that our society in a lot of ways really glorifies victims in yeah. a way that is not healthy for everyone. And of course, you know, victims often, they deserve and need compensation and or support after traumatic events. I'm not denying that, like 100%. And <laughs> that's been very helpful to me in my own journey that there were, you know, people and, you know, uh, resources there for me when I needed that help that was needed, you know? And then once you, you know, it's like healing goes in stages, right? Yeah. So there's the like initial stage, like for you, it's like, okay, you're in a wheelchair and you can't walk, you know? And yeah. then you get to the next place where you can like, maybe you're walking again and you're moving, but then you have to deal with the more emotional and the spiritual layers. So I loved something you said early. You said that, you know, it continues to this day because yeah. healing is like an ongoing process Life right long. yeah 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 I remember I used to think I like laugh at myself now because when I first started studying this one energy healing that I do when I was like 20 I already had it figured out I figured that in about five years from that point I was going to be fully enlightened because I would have <laughs> finished my master level training in this and da, 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 da. I'm like no and then like about nine years after that I went through another phase where I actually thought that I was enlightened and I was in this like total space for about a year I was like I'm enlightened and then like something came along it was a guy of course and just like knocked me right off and I went like straight into the pit of hell and it was so funny and now now I've really accepted that it's like you know it's a process and you know I have you know, mostly I feel in life in general, everything feels much better because as I heal and as I gather more tools, I know how to deal with everything. And I still go through periods that are very challenging. It could be just a day or two days or three days or a week, you know, usually it's just a few days, a day or two for me now. Um, but you know, I know now that I can just sit in that because it's going to pass right? It's like something's coming up to be healed. Something is moving or needs to be looked at. And, or maybe I just need to experience that. I think it's important that we don't lose sight of those, um, the challenges and we don't lose sight of where we come from because, you know, we only got to the place where we're at because, you know, we did the work and it's, you know, but it's always, that's always there too, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, you know, the, I, the best and wisest healers all have shit that they have to deal with still to this day. Like nobody's perfect. That's part of the human experience and having ego. So I don't care who you are. If you, if you tell me you're fully enlightened and you have no more healing to do, you have all the healing to do still. And I find it funny because in new age spirituality, you find a lot of light workers, I'm doing quotation marks and healers in quotation marks because a lot of them, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down, but I find that a lot of people tend to pick up literature 
from someone else's work and someone else's adversity. They'll read that book and be like, oh, I have all the tools and the wisdom now, so I'm going to start preaching it. But that's not, that's not spirituality. That's not overcoming. Like You actually have to go through the shit. You actually have to go through hell. You actually have to walk through it and overcome it on your own. You can't just pick up you know, a book of someone else's work and be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm here, I'm enlightened. Like, no, you, that is just not how it works. You have to go through darkness in order to get to the light, you know? So feel the pain. <laughs> feel the, well, and, and darkness, you purpose. Mm-hmm. Your pain will bring you purpose. So you got to feel it. You've got to embrace it. You can't run from it. Well, absolutely. And it is, it, again, it's all, this is all part of the human experience. And I think many traditions and many paths have sort of tried to, and cultures have tried to like compartmentalize this and glorify only like you have value when you're happy, you have value yes. when you're producing, like you kind of touched on this earlier. Yeah. And yet there's actually so much value in pain. There's so much value in our own shadow. There's so much value in all of these um, horrible experiences because if we use them correctly, if we approach them correctly, that's actually our launching board into enlightenment. And, you know, like in the Eastern tradition, of course, you know, like the lotus flower is the symbol of enlightenment, but the lotus grows in the mud, mud. Yeah. right? No mud, no lotus. So yeah. if we don't, even I was reading something the other day, I think it was like from a quantum physics perspective that actually it's darkness that is the infinite and, and in darkness, it is what holds the potential for all things. Like, yes. not the light. Like, the light, yes. of course, is powerful, but it's actually in the darkness. And I think what we just went through collectively last year in 2020, we, saw, we were actually, you know, people, it's been a challenging time for everybody. Yes. And it's so necessary because we need to see really what is going on in order for us to shift it, right? Yes, exactly. A lot of darkness came to light. And 100% agree with you. That's where the light is born in darkness. So can't have one without the other. <laughs> yeah, I love, that's why I love like the yin and yang, like that yes. ancient, yeah, it's so perfect, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like both both things are there. Mm-hmm. So um, what what is your like inspiration? What gets you like lit up when you're having a, a bad day? I don't know, this is what's coming in for me to ask for you right now. Like what is it that gets you lit up? If you're having a hard time, if you're, cause I know that a lot of people sort of look to you as a, you know, like an inspiration yourself. So what do you do when you're having an off day or you're, you're not feeling your best? Mm-hmm. Um, I meditate a lot. <laughs> I usually go within and I tap into divine and source and I really call on my angels. I call on God a lot and I call on Mother Gaia, the universe. Um, I listen to a lot of mantra music. I'm getting into singing bowls, <laughs> which I'm really excited about. I love nature. I'll spend time um, grounding myself out in nature. I find that really important for me. Um, in the summer, I like to be in water. I just, I'm not a fan of cold water. <laughs> so yeah, I shower a lot. I do a lot of shower meditations. I just love water. I'm an empath. So I just find it so cleansing. And, um, yeah, I work with my crystals a lot and, um, yeah, I kind of just try to hold like good vibes and a good calm space in my home. You know, I journal too. I journal a lot, <laughs> write journal. it all out. Can you share a little bit? Cause I have some things. Can you share a little bit for everyone about a shower meditation? Cause I, I do some as well, but I think that's, I think there's all, I see that there's all these opportunities throughout the day to infuse spirituality and meditation and healing. And so I, I would love for you to share about 
some shower meditations for everyone because showering is something that most of us hopefully do every day or every other yeah. day. <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> Regularly, periodically, even if it's not every day, but right. you know, periodically, hopefully we're bathing, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So some people might find me a little bit of a weirdo, but I shower a lot and I've showered a lot since I was a child from being an athlete. It was just like after every training session, I would shower, wake up in the morning, shower, train in the afternoon, shower, train at night, shower. So that kind of, that habit just came with me into adulthood. Um, even if I'm not training now, it's just a habit to shower. But now I really love showering because it's just, it feels so cleansing. So when I'm in there, um, I do a bunch of things. So sometimes I'll put on my mantra music um, or just meditative music. And then I will call on whoever I'm aligning with at that time, angels, God, Jesus, um, my highest guides. And I do a little prayer with them. And I... I can't visualize, so um, I feel, I don't know why I can't visualize. Some people you can. Can't. No, I actually can't. It's a thing. Um, oh, it's called something. I can't remember now, but I looked into it because I, anyways, we don't need to get into that, but um, I feel. I've learned now that not visualizing is okay. I thought I was visualizing and it wasn't. So anyways, I feel. So what I do is... Um, I feel whatever it is that I want to release, process, or let go of, and I kind of just feel the water and the energy cleansing over me, and I feel whatever it is that I need to let go of, let go, and I ask my highest guides and angels to take that which doesn't serve me or that which is hurting me, um, and if I want to call something in, I feel myself calling that in. So I think about how that makes me feel when it's in my life. Um, I'm a feeler. So I go through the emotions of what it would feel like if that thing was there or that presence was there or that feeling was there. Um, sometimes it brings me to tears. Sometimes it brings me to ultimate joy. Whatever it brings me to, I just let it happen and I let it go and I release it and I say thank you. I express my gratitude after. And yeah, those are my shower meditations. Sometimes I can feel like I, sometimes if I'm feeling like, ooh, I want to be a goddess and call in all this beautiful divine stuff, I'll pretend the water's gold and like let all the gold like cleanse me and rush over me and sparkle my aura. <laughs> seriously though I do the same thing yeah I was curious that's why I'm like because I have some shower meditations I do mostly I just visualize that the water is like light like yeah. white light or whatever color I feel and then it's really it's amazing and it does add a whole other element because you know the water element in itself is cleansing to have yeah. a shower that's why when you feel especially like a cold shower if you can take it I'm like you I don't like cold water or cold <laughs> like I'm like you know I love swimming I like the ocean but I like hot tropical I'm like yes. get me like way far far south of Canada where I can like <laughs> then I'm a water baby I'll stay in there all day right you know? I saw so many people this January 1st so many people I know they're into cold dips and yeah, like doing the that whole thing and I'm just like nah no <laughs> but we're actually biologically you and I we have the same body type we're not meant for that it's actually yeah. a shock to our system to try to do that so it is and when yeah. I try my body physiologically is shocked. Like I start hyperventilating and I can't even control it. I try to do deep breaths. I was like, calm down, breathe. I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> like, like, my body won't even let me. <laughs> so 
No, I'm exactly the same as you. And, and I thought, I'm like, am I a wuss? Am I like, a, you know, because I'm like, I like to test myself physically. Sometimes my endurance too. But one of my friends pointed out to me, um, she has a background in Chinese medicine. And she's like, no, like that is not for you. You have no body fat. You are, you're a pile of bones, basically. Like we're the same. We're like, a, you taught me this word, ectomorph, yes. you know? <laughs> so, and I think this is a really important thing for everyone to, to and again, that comes down to self-awareness. So when you have awareness of yourself, not everything is for everyone. Exactly. Not every diet is for everyone. Not every path is for everyone. And I feel like this is one of the most important parts of the spiritual journey is to cultivate that knowledge of self. So you know what works for you, like physically, biologically, energetically, spiritually, and then, you know, you can have your own path. And then once you're strong in your own path, you can let other people have their own path and it doesn't exactly. matter, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say that that's the, the last part was super important. Once you're accepting of your own path and loving of your own path, you can allow people to be on their own path and do theirs. <laughs> yeah. Well, which is like the age old thing about, you know, religion and spirituality on this planet is like we have, and we still have people fighting over God. I mean, to me, this is the ultimate blasphemy. We have people fighting over like my path is better than your path. My journey is better than your journey. No, like we're all all you have to do is look around the earth and see that this is a planet of great variation from yes. from fauna to flora to animals to people we are yes. all different here we're meant to be and that is sort of the the keynote here is like we're all meant to learn how to exist harmoniously here so. despite our differences and heck even honor our differences yes. you know <laughs> yes yeah, somewhere along the line, a bunch of us got that all backwards and twisted, <laughs> trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, we've talked about this a lot before because I know a lot of people like us, we almost don't, not that we don't feel human, but we feel very different from other humans because like when you look around it's like what are these people doing you know yeah yeah it's like is this really the species I'm a part of and chose to be a part of <laughs> but hey we all have our missions we signed up for so but we do and from what I understand I actually I um the New Year's Eve, I made a podcast just talking about some of my thoughts about last year. And that was one of the things I talked about is that from my understanding, actually, there's a lineup of souls waiting to have a go at the human life. So, to, and the Dalai Lama talks about this a lot. They talk about this a lot in different traditions, you know, how a human life is actually very precious. Mm -hmm. And it is this precious learning opportunity to come mm -hmm. here and grow. So, and it's because of the contrast it's because there's so much contrast here. We come down as these great beings of love, you know, connected with source and everything's all blissful and divine. And then we come here and it's like, like, right? what? like what's going reality on? is like, whack. <laughs> You're like, ow, it hurts. Oh, right. That's why you got tough. You're like, I better toughen up here. <laughs> totally. I'm like, it hurts and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It can be a really, I mean, I remember, I mean, even now it's, I've, I've come to terms with my own sensitivity now because I understand it. But I remember as a child just being like, nope, this world is too much for me. You know, like I just, I just can't, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, get me out of here. I think it was only, it's only really since my son was born that I stopped really wanting to like either like end my life or like leave the planet on a regular basis because like I just didn't want to be here. I found it too painful, you know? Yeah. I, I think sometimes I go through the whole not wanting, not ending my life, just not wanting to be a part of this sometimes. But um, especially last year, 2020, it was like, wow, what is going on on planet Earth? But at the same time, I'm consciously aware of why I chose to come here. And I do feel like I'm aware of what my purpose is. And 
I'm divinely guided in that purpose and I will continue, I hope to be divinely guided and continue to try to just put the good out there and help people and fulfill my purpose. So that's what you just got to hang on to, you know? Yeah, it's true. The purpose does really, it does. If you have a strong sense of purpose, it will carry you through everything. And then again, nothing really matters because you're just, you're on purpose. But I would actually love for you to share a little bit about, because I've I've said this to you before, like I'm very inspired by the way that you're a wonderful communicator and the way that you share and even the way that you tell your story. I mean, there's a lot of stories that I don't tell. I mean, I haven't been guided to yet, but it's, you know, partially because they involve other people and it just feels like, I don't know, but you're just so bold in your sharing and your book is very tell all your talks are very tell all. So I'm curious, were you always like this or was this something that developed or how did this come about? Yeah, I've always been a communicator since I was a kid. I was that person that everybody dumped their problems onto. Uh, Psychology naturally came easy to me. And then I studied psychology in university and I was going to become a marital and Uh, family therapist and then I fell into the stunts instead and didn't go to grad school but yeah that's kind of always come natural and easy to me for sure um I enjoy communicating it's kind of always been my thing I haven't always been the best um person in expressing my pain to others because I never had anybody to hold space for that pain growing up So whenever I was in an intimate relationship, I would always hold space for that other person and be there for them. But when it came time for me to express what's wrong and, you know, my stuff, I was so used to being my own rock and being my own therapist and my own healer and my own person that I would just deal with it myself and I wouldn't know how to bring it to somebody else. I've gotten much better than that over the years, obviously, (laughs) with the TED Talk and the book. but I didn't always have the courage to share my story either. I didn't, I didn't always stand in my power. It took me going through those dark times and going through that adversity to stand in my power, to find my power and to find that courage. And it's kind of what I teach and preach in my book and my TED talk. Again, you have to go through the bad to get to the good. Um, that's how I found myself. And um, yeah, after one of my major adversities, I kind of, thought this is like the catalyst to to start sharing and to start helping heal collective or helping trying to help heal the collective um and yeah that's uh that being said you you just said you're so good at communicating and telling your story and it's tell all but it's still not tell all so i'm a very i am a public person but i'm still very private so the world still doesn't know my full story. I give enough and I gave enough for the purpose. I gave enough that I feel like was relatable for people, enough information and and adversity for people to relate to so that they could overcome their own stuff. But I still don't think the world needs to know everything. I would like to keep some pieces for myself and I have, and for the people in my close circle, that's my journey in my life. Um, but yeah, I feel like I found a, a, a balance, a good balance between sharing my adversities, but also keeping some sense of privacy for myself. And I think that's important. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, I completely relate to that. I've actually said before, like, I, I think there's some things I'll never tell some people. And because I almost feel like in speaking them out loud, it would energize something that I never want to think about again. I never want to experience again. So again, you can kind of compartmentalize it or put a little thing around it and be like, okay, it's that. And of course we can never be fully tell all because how can right. you totally like express something that happens over the period of years or months or within like, for example, a single book or a blog post or whatever you can only sort of get the idea of, of it around but I can totally relate too because I'm both too I'm you know very public in some ways and very private in other ways as well so there's a sort of art to doing that and um I would love to touch on a little bit um, one of the things, because I know that a lot of people, it's something I was thinking about uh, to, to talking to you, because I know that it's something that we've both dealt with, uh, had our fair shares. And I, and I would love for you to touch on this, because I know that there's so many people dealing with this thing right now, this epidemic, which is of um, narcissists. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> You're like, and yeah, because, you know, really, it is this huge thing. Like, it's like we have this epidemic of narcissists. And I know that that's one of the things that you talk about in your book, because you are with a, you know, a partner who was a full-blown narcissist so I would love for you to share especially any like revelations that you had around that process because this is a big thing right now I mean it seems it's just everywhere you know yeah that's such a big loaded topic um <laughs> right I was with a malignant narcissist sociopath um and it taught me a lot like a lot honestly uh for all the hurt that that relationship caused I'm equally as grateful for the pain. And I know some people question that and find it weird when I say that because they consciously can't comprehend what I'm saying. But when I say I'm grateful for the pain, it taught me so much. And it, it kind of was the catalyst to me healing more of my deep-seated abandonment wounds and issues. And it was... A messy time in my life it was probably like one of the most challenging hurtful hardest times honestly I I can compare that hurt to being abused and disowned by my parents my whole life like I I have never felt that type of pain before dealing with these type of people is it's a whole different ball game and that's why the literature surrounding it is so um, what's the word I'm looking for, unique or separated. It's like, if you've, if you've dealt with a narcissist sociopath, then you know, like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, then you know. And if you haven't, then you don't know. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And you don't know until you know. <laughs> so, and when you've dealt with it, you have to dive into the literature, you have to dive into the type of character that these people are in order to heal because it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense to a normal conscious being. It, it doesn't. I couldn't comprehend the thought patterns, the behavior, the just everything that I was in. It was so confusing and you don't understand it until you're out. Um, but that took a lot of work too. Like it took a lot of healing work. And to this day, I'm still, I'm still healing. And I think it's probably going to be a lifelong thing. I think once you've dealt with a narcissist sociopath, that's probably healing that you're probably going to have to take on and endure for the rest of your life and apply in some way. It changes you. I don't know what else to say. It changes you and it can change you for the worse or it can change you for the better. Um, 
but there's still a piece of you that gets changed after dealing with a person like that. So, yeah. Oh, I, I know very well. And it's funny. I say sometimes like, I feel like I have a PhD in narcology right? because, yes. and it, but it's very interesting because my three main, like I had, I mean, I've had more obviously growing up and whatever, but in my adult life, I had three very prominent um, people on my path who were, were narcissists. Soci and they were all the different kinds. I've dealt with a malignant narcissist, a covert narcissist. I've dealt with a sociopathic narcissist, all these ones. And yet in there, it's like, if you know, I know you know about numerology. So the numerology of these three people, one is an 11, one is a 22, and the other is a 33, which are supposed to be the master numbers. And so it's really made me think, and I, like you, have these moments of profound gratitude to each one of them, because I would not understand myself on the level that I do today if it wasn't for them. I would not have been able to like gather my power. And I've just, I've learned so much. And like you probably, I can spot these people like a mile away. When somebody I know or a client is dealing with one, I'll just like, and they're like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, because they, it's, it's fascinating, but these people, they, they follow patterns. And I mm -hmm. was the same with my Excellent. counselors and therapists at the time. It's like, they always could predict yes. what the person was going to do next. And I was like, how do they know this? And now I can do the same thing because yeah. it's textbook. And it's like, everything is backwards. You kind of touched on this too. It's like with these people, everything is backwards. But back to this idea of like, if these people are master numbers, which on a, a numerology, that's supposed to mean that these souls have some level of mastery. So then that makes me think, who am I to say they're not completely on purpose being who doing what they're doing? Because part of the earth plane here, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. And I think this is like the next level of the great awakening is that if we come here on a soul level to learn forgiveness, which is the highest thing that we can learn as a soul, pretty much mm -hmm. somebody has to hurt us. Exactly. Somebody has to damage us. Somebody has to abuse us. So we actually have soul contracts with these people. And it's like, it's just like a play down here. Like in Sanskrit, the word is Leela and it means like divine play. And it's like, it's like, you know, this you're in the film industry, like we're all just playing roles. Mm -hmm. So some, somebody's playing good guy and somebody's playing bad guy. And I think the next, for me, like what I hope the next evolution of humanity is, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have lessons or problems or issues, but we can rise above some of the, we can have them in a little bit more evolved way, you know, like, you know, like even though we've had our issues, like it's not the same scenario as say like, you know, in a third world country or in, in places in the world. I don't even know if that's correct to say anymore. Is it? I can't keep I, I, developing, developing country. country. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either developing, I think, but you know what I mean? Like when you see some of the lessons that these people are playing you know, there's poverty, there's violence, there's all of these like horrendous things that don't actually need to be happening. So that's kind of my prayer and my wish for humanity. It's not that we like evolve beyond problems altogether because problems actually, they give us a lot of good juice, you know, where yeah, we learn yeah. things, but totally. can we, can we learn our lessons and move through these things in a more graceful way in, in, mm -hmm. in a way that isn't so harmful, you know? Totally. Um, and I just want to touch on what you said too, about soul contracts with narcissists and sociopaths, because I mean, narcissists and sociopaths tend to match and pair up with empaths. It's kind of like a thing that just happens. Um, but soul contracts with them is a very interesting thing. And it's something I preach as well. And sometimes I take fire for it, again, because some people can't comprehend the consciousness behind it. And then other people, this mindset helps them to heal and get through this time. And this concept just intuitively came to me on my journey as I was just figuring things out and healing and I had some dreams and I feel like I had some soul communication 
Um, but anyways, basically the conclusion that I came to in my experience is, yeah, we, we have sole contracts with narcissist sociopaths and we signed up for that before we got here and we signed up for it for a reason and it's not always fun while we go through it. But, um, I tell people that that person <laughs> as messed up as this sounds, he is a soulmate. And like that being said, I'm not he on this lifetime now, he needs to stay away from me. He's very dangerous. And so I'm not encouraging anybody to go and be with their um, abuser. No, In, if you need to end that relationship, end it and be safe, get the help that you need. But that doesn't negate the fact that that's a soul contract and that person probably most likely is your soulmate because they were the catalyst to you learning and overcoming some type of major adversity or major lesson that you needed to learn in this lifetime. Um, and yeah, I'm grateful for it now and during the time it was crazy. <laughs> uh, and I'm just, I'm grateful for the lessons that came out of it. And like I said, in this lifetime, I recognize what it is. I recognize the connection and the lessons and I can apply them to my life moving forward and have, but I also recognize the danger in the relationship. And I recognize that that person in this lifetime needs to continue staying away from me and that boundary and block will remain there in this life because they are not healthy to me. And, um, yeah, you need to stay away. But when we pass on, who knows, maybe our souls will be like, thank you for that lesson, you know, and express that gratitude and we move on. And I tell people too, what, how selfless is it of their soul though? Because a, a narcissist sociopathic, they're not changing. There's no healing for them. They're stuck how they are. So how selfless is it for that soul to choose to come here being that type of way. There's no changing and there's no healing for them. There's changing and healing for you. You can call in good things. They're not going to call in anything good. And they almost sacrifice their lifetime to help teach you and help you evolve and grow into the best version of yourself and the person that you're meant to be. Now, if you can look at it from that perspective, that highest perspective, that is actually a really selfless, beautiful thing. Um, but again, in this lifetime and in earth plane he's danger in human form so we need to stay away but on a soul plane level he did um he actually did a a, a beautiful thing for me in a fucked up way but like yeah, yeah. well i mean I know we're, we're not really going to talk about politics, but I do want to use the example of a very well-known, I won't say his name, but a very well-known, you know, <laughs> soon-to-be former world leader, um, you know, with some orange hair. And I've said this about him from the get-go. I'm like, he did this incredible job of totally. bringing everything up to the surface that needed to be seen, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, he doesn't even hide it. It just comes straight out of his mouth. Like, and that was very purposeful in a lot of ways. So, yes, although there was a lot of, you know, a lot of pain and suffering. I think he traumatized the entire world. Yeah, I think people are going to be healing for him from him for a while now. Like <laughs> right. people were just like, oh my gosh, you know. I heard people say things like they didn't sleep properly for the past four years as long as they knew <laughs> that he was holding that position of power, you know. And yet, you know, he did this this job. And I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but um, I, I used to have these oracle cards, and one of the oracle cards uh, it said perspective, and it was this wonderful drawing that illustrated this purpose like perfectly. And basically, what it showed was two people like standing on the ground, 
um, on the earth and they were, they were fighting, you know, it looks like they were angry. They were having words, they were fighting. And then the next part of the photo was those two people. It looked like they were in heavens up in the, up in the cloud and they were shaking hands and there was like all this love going. Yes. So everything, you know, there's this expression, the kingdom is upside down. So much of what goes on down here is totally, it's totally backwards. Yes. You know, you know the Bible says like the first shall finish last and the last shall finish first. Mm. And I remember actually, it's, uh, I wasn't planning to share the story, but it's just coming in to share. I worked at the casino for some time, part time. And I remember I would go, I would get called into the high limit room where there were these very, very wealthy people gambling. Like I saw people gambling like it's crazy the amount of money that people will play with in a high limit room like i'm talking mm -hmm. like hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes even millions of dollars on the are on the table and that's what they're playing with and because i i do massage there so i would be called in and i would be massaging and one day i was massaging this group of ladies and again they had i think over a hundred thousand dollars on the table and i was just sitting there doing my job like massaging them and they were treating me really like they wanted nothing to do with me you know mm -hmm. in my mind in that moment i was like a piece of pond scum to them. Hmm. Then I saw this vision, how actually it was all flipped. I was just there doing my job and they thought that they were so superior, but actually they were being greedy. They were being rude. They were being, and yet on the earth plane, we would look at them and say, oh, they're so valuable because they have all this money and all this power that they can just sit in a casino and play with like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And like, who is this piddly girl just like doing her job? And yet it was all backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was all upside down. I wasn't doing anything. I was just there doing my job. I'm going to leave, go home. And even in that, I always when I was in that high limit room, I didn't like the energy in there, but I always sent love to everybody. I always mm -hmm. sent them blessings. And I think this is an example of, I had a client the other day who's sort of new to the spiritual path and he feels very alone in his, which, you know, we've talked about, it's very common. Mm -hmm. And I just explained to him, you know, anyone who carries light in their soul, anyone who is on, uh, who sort of feels the sense of purpose or light worker, quotation marks, you know, I don't <laughs> really like that word either. I, we got to come up with a new word, but you know, you know what I mean? Like people like us, basically empathic people, one light is enough to shine for everything so it's like mm -hmm. for you when you're on set you know you may be in that I mean again who knows because there could be all kinds of people running around the set who are also spiritual in their own way and don't know but like just you being there in that environment can be enough to uplift the whole environment so mm -hmm. we are often plunked into these places where we are the only you know and it can yes. feel very lonely and it can yes. feel very like why me like why, why does this have to happen and yet it's actually almost like a blessing from the divine to show us like we are enough. And in that moment, just hold your light and just keep blessing. You know, that's my practice everywhere I go. I just bless everybody, you know? Yes, totally. Because <laughs> they need it. You know, you know, I got in a car accident and um, I didn't, I wasn't driving. I just, I just started driving actually um, a little, like little distances, but because my brain wasn't working, I couldn't drive. So I had to take the bus a few places to a few appointments and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I was having a great time on the bus praying for everybody and blessing everybody. And I was like, wow, because I I never take the bus right so I was like right. this is kind of fun it was fun for me and like being in this energy space it was very interesting to be mm -hmm. consciously like in this space because I'm so sensitive right and I was tuning into like well, who are these people like what are they doing where are they going like all these people there's maybe like 30 people on the bus with me at one time and it was really interesting for me just like you know <laughs> that's so awesome <laughs> I love it but we can bring the light everywhere we go you know yeah true it's 100% true and I try my best to do that as often as I can. That being said, I'm still human, so I do feel sad at times, but 
Um, we're supposed even, to. Totally. I always say it's like, you said this at the beginning. I say this to people. I'm like, if you meet a healer or a, you know, a facilitator or a whatever shaman or whatever that tries to tell you that they're enlightened, that they don't have issues, they don't get angry, run. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> run. Run and don't look back. <laughs> and maybe take your money back too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's totally, it's, it's like, I, there are some enlightened masters on this planet that are beyond that but even they yes. don't say that even no. they don't run around saying that they will no. and even they still experience fear and sadness and grief and mm -hmm. all of these things like nobody is beyond all of that yeah know? exactly yeah not even Jesus was so <laughs> <laughs> well I guess that's funny my, my friend and I we were just talking about that last night because she's really reconnecting with the bible again and mm -hmm. that's something I found that surprised me about reading the bible too is Jesus he has all of these expressions of his yeah. own personality. He gets angry, he gets frustrated, yeah. he cries, yeah. he has to like take off and like leave everybody behind. Yeah, he, he gets yell. annoyed with people. Yes. I'm like, yes, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> right? And he's like the most highest conscious ascended master. Like, and so that says something, you know? You nailed it. That's exactly what stood out to me about him too. Yeah, like he gets annoyed. He's like, oh my God, do people like, he's frustrated. He's yeah. just like irritated. He's like, man, you guys, like, why don't you get this? You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, once I started learning that and looking more into like the real Jesus' story, I started feeling better about my own frustrations and also just my own sense of being here too because like you said it can be a lonely journey sometimes and I do feel like the more you overcome and the harder your path is the higher your calling is and sometimes it's a lonely path and not everyone knows how to keep up or even how to hold space for you and yeah it can feel lonely and so that's why I feel like it's really important to tap into divine tap into source and to know that you're not alone to know that we're all connected and also to find the friends who are your genuine real loving friends who are supportive who hold that light and space for you who are just understanding of your being and who see you right and I think sometimes it takes time to find those people and we have to go through losing some toxic friends and making room for those divine beings and friendships to come through or those spiritual connections to come through. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that is, that is for sure. Absolutely. I agree with that. And that is, I think the next sort of thing that many of us are gravitating towards, which is this idea of really forming communities and really, mm. um, because it is necessary. And if you look at the structure of how things have the potential to work, if you have a properly structured community, you can do so much more with a group of people than you can alone. Again, if it's structured yes. correctly and yeah. if you have the right kind of people that are all work well together. So I think that's part of the journey too, is all of us finding our you know tribe so to yeah. speak and I think that's one of the cool things about the opening of the whole internet and the online world is mm -hmm. that like I know I've connected with people from all around the world that I would have never met otherwise because right. you know and I feel like their family immediately upon meeting them it's like we, we there's a sense of like we know each other already so I think totally yeah there's soul tribe assemble yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and it's necessary because what I see what needs to happen next for really big shifts to come in is like, we really are going to have to take a stand together. And yes. that's where that piece around, we're going to have to put aside our differences in some ways and find the things that we all really need to stand up for, which for me is just like basic autonomy, like the autonomy of a human being to do what they want with their own body. And yeah. you know, all of this, like we should have the freedom to do that. I believe totally human rights, basic human rights. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah human and humane you know it's very interesting those those two words sometimes are very far apart you know when I you know. talk about being humane which is like having compassion for others and like looking after one another and yet that seems to be what's so lost in this world in so many ways yes yeah so what is next for you in in 2021 what do you have what do you have planned for everything for for everyone great question yeah <laughs> I actually don't know. 2020 provided a, a break for me and it was like a much needed break. And it was funny at the beginning of the year, I've been so go, 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 go. And I'm always focused on what's next, what's next, what's next. And the beginning of 2020 happened. I, I announced to people in the world that this is going to be my balance year and that I'm going to learn to rest more and not feel the need to always do and accomplish and, you know, just do, do, do. And then COVID happened and I was like, whoa, be careful what you ask for. And I got major balance and was resting and not really focusing on what the next journey or goal was. Um, and honestly, the new year happened and I had a bit of introspection and meditation and I still was like, what is it that you want to do this year? And I left myself open to receive whatever is meant to be. Like, honestly, I'm open to receiving whatever I'm meant to call in this year. Um, yeah, I, I have a children's book kind of stirring in my intuition in my stomach and it has been since the end of last year i don't know if that's going to come into fruition um but it's definitely there um the singing bowls too i have this thing like i just really want to heal more with singing bowls and maybe start singing mantra music i'd like to sing and i always sing mantra music on my own so i don't know maybe record an album or do something with you <laughs> collaborate <laughs> i got you i'm happy right? i told when you told me that i was like i want to produce it for you that's so fun yeah. i love it i well this is i mean this is a whole other rabbit hole we could do, go down but you know sound healing is everything sound mm -hmm. mantra it is actually the probably the fastest quickest way to to heal to shift energy and so it's it's not surprising that um this this last like this car accident that i got into a couple weeks ago has really taken me deeper into that so i wasn't really surprised when you were all of a sudden like i ordered singing bowls i'm doing all this stuff <laughs> so i was like yeah right so, that's amazing so where can people find you if they want to find your um you and your she has an amazing ted talk everybody definitely worth the, the 15 minutes is it that it is it's incredibly insane. yeah 18 minutes but 18 yeah. minutes yeah so yeah please tell everyone where where can they find you if they want to learn more about you yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my username is Rochelle underscore Okoye. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Rochelle Okoye. Um, you can find my TED Talk on the TED channel or on the official YouTube TED channel. Um, and my book is on Amazon. You can purchase it there. And yeah, you can keep up to date with me mostly on Instagram. I'm, I don't really post too much, but I'm trying to figure out what aligns with me and where I want to go with my social media this year. 
but you have another, you have another page too. Oh yes. I have a, a spiritual page, um, third eye dot vibes. So you can follow me on that page. If you want a bit of, um, you know, radical self love and some higher consciousness content. Um, and Oh, I'm looking to start a new little show with a friend of mine who has a production company. I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to give my idea away before it's done, but we're in the process of creating this as we speak, but it's going to be very empowering and uplifting for all of humanity and it's relatable for everybody. And actually it makes me want to cry when I talk about it. So I'm super excited and we'll see where that goes. But yeah, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, O-K-O-Y-E, right? Yes. Your last um, name. Yes. Um, R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E underscore O-K-O-Y-E. And I also, you can follow me on my um, gym page, TriStar underscore Vancouver. It's a mixed martial arts gym. And if you are in the lower mainland area, come work out and train. It's a bit weird with COVID times, but we're getting back to it now. Kids classes are open and um, we have open mat open right now. So come on in and learn some martial arts. It's awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us here today. I so appreciate it. I love your, I love it all. The vibe, that's everything. Thank you for sharing your light with us and with the world. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was fun. I'm really yes. Yes. Thank you, dear. Blessings. Blessings. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.